us today on our podcast, Yasha, Young and Sharing His Anointing. Today on our Let's Wrap readings, we're going to be continuing with our four-part series entitled Dead Men Walking. Today, we're going to begin part two entitled It's Time to Wake Up. Our scripture today is going to be coming from Revelations, the third chapter, verse one through three. Today, I will be reading out of the New International Version. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you do not wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Let's wrap. In beginning our review today, I just want to give you a little background information on Revelation. The author of the book of Revelation is the Apostle John. The very book Revelation itself means to take the cover off. And that is exactly what the Lord did in sending an angel to the Apostle John, revealing to him what was past, present, and future. This book just like last week in Ephesians was written to the church of Asia. The book of Revelations covers four views on the interpretation of the book. It interprets the events and visions of past to present. It covers past historical events from first century AD to the second coming of Christ. It covers the present conflicts between the forces of good and evil throughout the span of history. But most of all, it gives encouragement to the believer letting us know that good always triumphs in the end. Last but not least, it covers futuristic views. It deals with the end time events such as the day of the Lord and those things that will take place in the connection with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, when we look at Revelations, the third chapter, um, there is yet another letter, uh, but this letter, however, was written by Apostle John to the church of Sardis. Now, Sardis was a city exceedingly known for its past wealth and splendor, but it had been deteriorating greatly. The church of Sardis was believed to be one of those that most likely was founded as an outreach of Paul's ministry in Ephesus. Remember, we talked last week about them being the mother church in which the apostle Paul sent the letter to the Gentile Asia, reminding them that they too were once dead and walked as the living dead before they were quickened and made alive by the spirit of God, that they were saved by the grace of God. Now the apostle John is sending this letter to the church of Sardis. In this letter from the apostle John, he is putting them on notice. He's advising them that the word is out about them, about all the good things that they have been doing and how people far and near are talking about their reputation of being alive. But in no uncertain terms did the Apostle John let them know he knows that their reputation is false. Why? Because he knows they are dead. So what exactly is the Apostle John meaning in this passage by the word dead? After all, he is talking directly about and to the church, the believers, those who have accepted Christ and was baptized with the Spirit of God. You may be asking the question, how is it? that a believer can be alive and dead if he is truly a believer, born again. I'm glad you asked. Well, here 
dead in this passage is referring to believers as asleep. That is why he said in the second verse, wake up. Throughout scripture, we will see death standing for the concept of separation as well as the absence of life. So for the unbeliever, death means spiritually dead without spiritual life, ungenerated and without God, separated from relationship with God. But for us who are the believers, death is like sleep and is something used as a symbol or symbolism for carnality or make reference to us being out of fellowship with God, separated from Christ as the source of our abundant life. We know that from our studies, abundant life refers to joy, peace, health, prosperity. Jesus himself said in John 10 and 10, that the thief, our enemy, Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He said in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, be in good health, even as thy soul prosper. That is letting us know that it is God's will that his children might have abundant life. As we begin to take a look at the first verse, we see that the apostle John in this letter did not sugarcoat or mince words, my kind of man, for he recognized the urgency of the hour and the time in which they were living. You see, many of the churches during that time were dealing with a time of great persecution. He recognized that if they were not standing for that which was right, they will fall subject to the spirit of complacency and compromise. The apostle John said in verse one, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation. Reputation means widespread belief that someone or something has a particular habit or characteristic. So what he is saying is, I know you have a habit or a characteristic among the people on the outside of doing what appears to be right. Yeah, I know all the things you do. I know that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. In other words, you appear to be alive. You look the part, you act the part, you sing the part, you talk the part. You have a reputation among the people. Yeah, they think that you are alive. You look spiritual vibrant on the outside, but you're spiritually lifeless on the inside. In other words, you're sleepwalking. Don't we know people like that? They are Christians who only by name claim the name of Christ. They have slowly turned their hearts from God, still going to church, still going through the motions, doing everything that looks ceremonially and religiously right. The apostle John wasn't playing with the church of Sardis in this letter. And what he was really saying is, I've heard about what others think about you. I know that you have a rep in your community, in your city, in your state, maybe even around the world, you have a reputation. I know how people are watching you and that they think you're alive because you're good or you're doing things that are good. Yeah, you go to church every Sunday morning. Yeah, you sing on the choir. Yeah, you're paying your tithes. Yes, you're doing good works, helping the homeless, helping the widow and the children. But I know there's a dead man on the inside. I know the real you. I know something they don't know. You're dead. Sleep. I know you got them all fooled. You look alive. You look good on the outside, but you're dead. Sleep on the inside. Performing. Playing a part. 
Yeah, singing with no joy, living with no real peace, just going through the motions day after day after day. He said, many of you have the appearance of being alive. I like how one version read because one version says the apostle John said that the Sardis church had made a name for themselves. In other words, they had a rep in the streets. Everyone thought they knew them because they looked beautifully adorned, that they looked spiritually alive, but they were out of fellowship. They were dead men walking. I'm reminded of Matthew, the 23rd chapter and the 27th verse, when Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He said, they look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, they were full of dead men bones and everything unclean. In other words, they were just like dead men walking, except they were asleep. And just like the Pharisees couldn't deceive Jesus, neither could the church of Sardis deceive the apostle John. Though they were filled with external works and activities, this church had fallen asleep. The apostle Paul said it best in 2 Timothy, the third chapter and the fifth verse, reading from the New Century Version Bible. He said, they will act as if they serve God, but will not have his power. In other words, his spirit, the Holy Spirit. They were out of touch with the spirit of God. I'm sure many may have only been engaged in religious activities, but in their minds, they were carnal minded believers who have become lovers of pleasure, lovers of pleasing the world, having a form of godliness. They may have been believers who started out doing the right thing, but have failed to move on and grow and experience true spirituality. Like many of us today, I'm sure they were active and engaged in works in the church, but temporarily dead, asleep to the spirit of God. And no doubt they were grieving the Holy Spirit and hindering him from being able to freely move and bring about deliverance in their lives, which is one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit. God sent his spirit to us. The Holy Spirit came to convert and convict us as a believer to dwell in us, to keep us the believer from the power of sin and to lead us his children closer to the father. But instead of being led closer to God, somehow they had fallen asleep and was led away from God and out of fellowship with Christ. When we begin to look at verse two, we see that the church of Sardis was on life support at risk of dying spiritually. And the apostle John was indeed the right one to resuscitate them. He commanded them saying, wake up. Wake up means to become aroused from tranquil or inactive state to become consciously alert. He was informing them it's time for the church to wake up. You've been asleep too long. It's time to come out of that unconscious state. It's time to come out of that state of inactivity of not doing the things that God has called us to do. It's time for us to be alert, to know that the enemy is on the prowl seeking whom he may devour. Not only did he inform them to wake up, he says, strengthen what remains. We look at the word strengthen, strengthen means the quality of being strong, bodily, mental power, moral power, power of reason of influence and authority, resources, effectiveness. Now that's saying a lot. We as the church, we need to wake up and strengthen that which remains in us. We need to be strengthened bodily. I've never seen so many people in the body of Christ that are sick including myself. The enemy continues to come to try to attack my body, but bodily, we need to be strengthened. He said mental power. We need to get, bring our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It's time to strengthen the mental power of the believers morally, moral power. We have gotten so much like the world that we're losing all of our moral ground. 
And you can be able to tell the difference between the world and the church. Now it's getting so uh, uh, combined that you can barely tell the church from the world anymore. But the word strengthen means to be strengthened, mental power, more power, power by reason of influence. We need to start influencing. We're sitting back while people are dying on their way to hell. What's the matter with our influence? We need to have power to be able to influence those in a lost world that they need to return back to God. He said influence with authority. We need to influence with authority, with the power of the Holy Spirit that is in us. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Why is the body of Christ walking around like we're uh, afraid of the enemy? Resources, he says. Resources and effectiveness. We should be the resource. The body of Christ, the church, should be the resource that the world run to that they need. We, it's time for us to become effective. It's time to wake up, strengthen what little remains for even what is left. The apostle John said is almost dead. So even the little bit that we have left is dying. We have to strengthen what we have remaining. I find he said that your actions do not meet the requirement of my God. What the apostle John was saying to the church of Sardis is you're talking the part, but your actions do not meet the requirement of God. Requirement, when we look at that word, requirement means a thing that is needed or wanted. In other words, I have found that what we are doing is less than what God wants. There is more that I require of you, thus says the Lord. I love this passage and I love the writing of the apostle John and how he put it so boldly and bluntly to the church with clarity and effectiveness. But yet I, I love him because he did not leave them hanging. Why? Because he told them exactly what they needed to do. Number one, he said, wake up. You can't do anything until you wake up. Be made alive again. Once you are made alive again or spiritually awakened. Number two, he said, strengthen. Strengthen what you have left. And this was encouraging because it lets me know that all is not lost. There's still some good in there. There's still some things in there that you have that can be used for the kingdom of God. All you need to do is strengthen it. If you go into a church once a week, start going two times a week. If you pray two times a day, start praying three times a day. If you're fasting once a week, bump it up to two times a week. If you're reading your Bible once a day, start reading your Bible twice a day. Strengthen what remains. Now, as we begin to look at verse three, verse three says, go back to what you heard and believe at first. Hold to it firmly. When I look at the word firmly, firm, firm means or firmly means with a resolute determination, a strength of character, securely in a way that uses steady power or strength. What that's really saying is, you know how we were when Christ first made us alive, when we were fully awake in Christ and to the things of Christ. Uh, we had a determination. Uh, when we first got saved, nothing could stop us. No one would sit us down. God is saying, go back to when you first believed, when you had no problem operating in great faith. There is nothing that we couldn't do, nothing that we wouldn't do for the glory of God. We were bold as lions. Remember when you spent hours in prayer? Remember, we would go two and three times a week to prayer meeting. The apostle Paul said, go back to what was first heard and believe. 
and hold firmly. I can almost hear the apostle John now speaking to the church of Sardis, saying to them, go back to what you heard first and believe and hold firmly. You need to go back to what you first believe. Why? Because what you're doing right now is not cutting it. What you're doing right now is not meeting the requirement of my God. It's not good enough to keep you from the persecution that is about to come. What we're doing right now, church, is not good enough. It's not going to be enough to keep us from the things that's about to come upon this world. Now, when we look at the fourth verse, the apostle John went on to give them a resolution on how to put an end to being dead and asleep. And that resolution was simple. He said one thing, repent. Repent means feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. We all know what it is to repent, to go back to God with a sincere heart, to, to let him know that we acknowledge that we're sinners, that we acknowledge that we've done wrong. Call it by name, whatever it is, let him know, God, I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize that I got a problem with fornication. I recognize I got a problem with adultery. I recognize I have a problem with cursing, oh God. I recognize that I have a problem with a backbiting or drinking or being a homemonger, whatever it is, call it by name. Repent with a, a sincere express regret or remorse for whatever it is that whatever it is that you've been doing. Not only is God expecting repentance from us, but that thing was twofold because the apostle John said, repent and not only repent, but he wrote to them, turn to me again. So God is saying to us, I want you to repent. Not only do I need you to repent, but I need you to turn. It's not going to do us any good if we ask him to forgive us, but we keep doing the same thing. No, we have to make a bow face. He said, repent and turn to me again. Turn from that what you are doing. Turn your face. Ah, shut up, Abosa. Turn your face back toward me. Turn your face back to the wall. Turn towards me. I am the Lord your God. I am the God that healeth you. I'm the God that's going to deliver you. I'm the God that's going to wake you up. I'm the God that's going to set you free. Turn back to me. The word of God is saying, turn back to me. When I see the word turn back to me, that is implying that at once, at once, at one time in their lives, they were alive. At one time in their life, their face was turned towards God or else he wouldn't have to say, turn to me again. But just like some of us, somehow or another, they found themselves in a complacent state. They found themselves in a stagnant place, so stagnant until they fell asleep. They started dying to the things of God. You know how we do. We get comfortable in a situation or a circumstance or, or it just don't seem like it's enough excitement or it don't seem like nothing's going on over here. But we know this thing is not about emotion. It's not about feeling. Uh, this is a faith walk that we're on. But nevertheless, they begin to get complacent. They begin to get stagnant and, and the enemy begin to rock them asleep. In other words, they lost their first love. It caused them to turn away from God. The apostle John wrote, turn to me again. He gave them this command and he gave it to them with a warning. Because we look at the latter part of verse three, God began to speak to them with clarity. He said, if you do not wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Wake up. And if you do not wake up, in other words, I will come to you quickly. I will come to you and it'll, it's going to be a surprise to you. He was letting them know that you're going to get caught with your work undone. You're going to be caught with no oil in your lamp. You're going to be caught picking flowers by the wayside. He said, you're going to be caught bearing your uh, gifts and your talents in the sand. You're going to be caught 
sleeping with nothing but the appearance of having a reputation of life. The apostle John was as I am today, urging you, urging those that may have fallen asleep, urging you that may be on the verge of death. It's time to wake up. Let's apply. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that most of the church of today is the church of Sardis. So many people have a form of godliness, but have no power of the Holy Spirit to change their lives. They have a reputation by word of mouth that they love the Lord, but their hearts and actions are far from him. How many people do we know that we meet day in and day out that say that they are believers of Christ? And if indeed they are believers in Christ, then they should have the mind of Christ. But we see more of the world than of Christ. In fact, there is little difference in them than in the world. Bitter and sweet flows from their mouth all in one sentence. They bless the Lord in one breath and curse him in the next. Many people would rather spend more time doing the things of the world than spending time with God. I was once told when I was a little girl that whatever takes most of your time is what you love the most because there's no one that's going to spend time doing something that they hate. The Bible tells us in John 2, 15 and 17, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if a man loves the world, the love of the father is not in him because all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but of this world. Just look around. Where is the church? We have a building, which by the way, is not the church, but I'm talking about the people of God the church, the bride of Christ. We have buildings, but no one in them. There is indeed a great falling away. I do not base this fact merely on no bodies being in the pews, but in the observation again, that we have become lovers of pleasure, having a form of godliness with the appearance of being alive and awake. When in reality, we are dead. We are asleep. There is very little faithfulness even less passion for the things of God among the people of God. Many have become people conformed to this, the ways of the world, lovers of pleasure of this world instead of lovers of God. Instead of being transformed by the renewing of our minds, many of them have fallen asleep. Their minds have not been renewed by the word of God. The Bible tells us how can we hear without a preacher and how can he preach unless he is sent? So I have a problem understanding why it is that there are those that say that they are believers and have no church home or continue to hop from church to church. The Bible says in Timothy 4, 3 and 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap for themselves teachers having itching ears, they shall turn away with their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, lies in other words. Many people today feel as though they have no need to listen to us preachers. However, many like the discipline to read the word for themselves. And I wonder if they do read the word for themselves, how many are getting a proper understanding of the word without the spirit of God teaching them. Again, remember, many have a form of godliness, but the spirit of God does not dwell in them. Why? Because they're doing everything that the world does and the spirit of God does not dwell in an unclean temple. 
I know this message may not sit well with some of you, but it's okay. Because John, the eighth chapter and the 32nd verse say, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. My main purpose and my main goal is to see people set free, delivered, transformed. That is what the whole word Yasha means to be delivered, to be set free, to receive victory. So my job, my assignment is to give you the truth and the truth shall make you free. The word of God lets me know that the word will not go out and return to him void. So through this message, I am believing, I am trusting in the spirit of God that you will wake up. And not only will you wake up, you will be free. Not only that, in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse one and two, God is saying to me, there's a charge on my life. He said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearance and his kingdom. He's telling me, Shanina, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So you see, I don't have time to play games. There is work to be done. I have to preach. My life depends on it, whether you like it or not. Plus the word came to me, the preacher first. We are not exempt from the word. So if you're listening to this word right now and you're saying to yourself, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm not dead. Okay, maybe you're not dead, but is it a possibility? Is there just a little possibility that you might be asleep? And if so, the apostle John was urging the church of Sardis, wake up, strengthen what remains before what little is left dies. Only you know where you are right now. You know if you're asleep, dying, or already dead. And if you, through this message, have found yourself in any of these things, I, like the Apostle John, am telling you, church, as a believer in the body of Christ, it's time to wake up. Strengthen what remains. Repent and turn back to God. Don't wait. Jesus is soon to come. And whether it be at his second coming or you yourself leave this earth to stand before him, either way, the warning still stands. If you do not wake up, he will come like a thief and you will not know the day or the hour that he will come to you. So don't miss this opportunity today to get back in your rightful place. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you once again for your word and the warning from the apostle through your word, letting us know that it's time to wake up. Teach us how to strengthen that which remains. We come to you, Father, in, this, in the name of your son, Jesus, with a heart of repentance. Forgive us, Father, for grieving your Holy Spirit, for not surrendering everything that we are over to you. Forgive us, Father, for falling asleep. Forgive us for our complacency. Forgive us for being conformed to the ways of this world. Help us not to just be about good works, but that we might walk in the fullness of your spirit. We have examined our lives and we know that there is more that you require of us. We know that you are soon to return. Help us that we might be worthy enough to escape all the things that's gonna come upon this earth and we'll be ready, completing you with our spot or wrinkle. It is in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. As always, we thank you for listening to our Let's Wrap podcast, Yasha Young and sharing his anointing. 
We do encourage you to keep your eyes open for part three of this four-part series, Dead Men Walking. Our part three is going to be on dead to sin. Now that we're awake, we have to understand that sin has no more dominion over our lives. We are, in fact, dead to sin. I am Elder Shanina Walker. Until next time, have a blessed day.